during this talk. And Amy and I have done this a couple times when we've been in foreign countries where she speaks the language and I don't, but they'll give us an opportunity to share a little bit. So I'll speak and she'll interpret or somebody in the country will interpret. So I've done this a couple times on a short, small basis, but mostly it's just an opportunity to share blessings in another country with that come from here, from the United States. Some people in other countries look at this as the, they wish they could be here. They wish their country could be like ours. Others have listened to the public news and think that ours is the most despicable country and we should be torn down. And when you explain a few facts to them and show them some realities, it's a whole different world. And then they're, they're just pleading that people would come and share the Lord with them in their country also. And that's what Amy's, Amy's about. But we'll get on with our program here, and you can talk more later. Um, so. uh, I'm going to speak a little bit in Spanish, and then my dad will read as he was saying. I invite you to ask God to speak to your spirit as you hear it in Spanish. Sorry, maybe you don't understand Spanish, but God understands all of the languages, and he is a great communicator. So as you're listening to me, he'll read the next, he'll read it so you will understand what I'm saying and it won't be the whole message this way, but just ask the Lord to speak to your spirit to bring that reinforcement that sometimes we need. Sometimes we need it to be underlined or said in bold or capital letters or shouted back to us again. So we have that opportunity to hear it twice, this first part, and I just invite you to listen. All right, we can go ahead. El amor de Dios para todo el mundo. Juan 3, 16. Pues Dios amó tanto al mundo, que, di, que dio a su Hijo único, para que todo aquel que cree en él no muera, sino que tenga vida eterna. For God so loved the world and clearly prized the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son that whosoever believes and trusts in him as Savior shall not perish, but have eternal life. That wants to be the point of our message this morning is that God loved you and Jesus came and su suffered so tremendously for us. But God loves you in spite of, and we'll go through a bunch of in spite of's here in a little while. I'm going to read in Spanish and my dad will read the translation. It's from a book by Pastor Lucas Lays in Argentina. And I happened to get this when I was in Honduras um, as a missionary there. So here we go. A muchos líderes les parece que quiero animar a la rebeldía. Es importante aclarar, ¿rebeldía contra qué? Some people think I want to encourage rebellion. It is important to clarify, rebellion against what? Jesucristo mismo se opuso a una religión basada en el costumbre, en la idea de sentirse exclusivos y en la falta de amor. Jesus himself acted in rebellion against religion that was done without love by people who feel exclusively better than others and acted out of routine customs. Jesus vino a hacer una nueva creación de cada uno y en cada uno de nosotros y le envió al Espíritu Santo para alimentar en una nueva creación en nosotros. Jesus came to make new creations out of each of us and in each of us, and sent the Holy Spirit to nurture that new creation. A veces la iglesia se convierte en una suma de actividades, reuniones, llamadas para organizar agendas, 
correos para comunicar los detalles y al fin la ecuación misma que siempre es lo mismo. Recetas que funcionan pero han perdido algo. Sometimes people convert the word church to a sum of activities, meetings, phone calls to discuss meetings, meeting agendas, emails to communicate the meeting details, the occasion itself, which is precisely like it has always been done, recipes that worked fine once, but they've lost something. No podemos conformarnos en que la iglesia solo es un programa de entretenimiento, sino que desarrollamos amistades confiables, comunidad, desafíos, ánimo y unidad. We shouldn't contend ourselves with church just to be being a format for entertaining ourselves, but we should develop trusted friendships, community, challenges, encouragement, and unity. Porque el cristianismo no es hacer ni hacer algo. Es ser el hijo o la hija de Dios que fuimos creados que ser. Christianity isn't defined by what we do or don't do. Christianity is being the son or daughter of God that he created you to be. Porque somos absolutamente amados. Marcos 12, 13, 30 dice, Amarás al Señor tu Dios con todo tu corazón con toda tu alma, con toda tu mente y con todas tus fuerzas. Habla de una relación cercana y profunda, el centro. Acomodarse a hacer buenas cosas, aunque sean buenas, sin acercarnos a Dios, es peligroso. Nuestro hacer debe ser producto y consecuencia de su amor. Mark 12:30. Love speaks of a close and profound relationship, which is the center of Christianity. Being comfortable with doing things, even good things, without being close, very close to God is dangerous. As Christians, our doing should be a product and consequence of his love for us. When I was learning Spanish, I would sit in church and I had a really hard time. I could hear some of the words, but I didn't have a clue what they meant all put together and spoken really fast. Misunderstanding for me was frequent, but I kept trying because the family of God was important for me. And God gave me an excellent family to live with that taught me Spanish, and they were so patient and kind. Here, we speak the same language, but sometimes we are misunderstood, and sometimes we misunderstand. We don't have the same fears or insight, the same hurts or struggles, and yet, when we listen with a caring ear, we can come to understand each other better. Our goal can be relationship and love. Jack stood up so faithfully every time I've ever been to this church and I've heard him read from the Bible. And sometimes we might have said, oh, that just, that resonates with me. I read that same thing this week or it makes me so alive inside. And other times I listen to him read and okay, excellent. It wasn't bad, but it just didn't strike a chord with me that day. When we, in daily community in our church, choose to step out faithfully and be vulnerable with each other and share what we're going through and what God's doing in our lives, we have that opportunity to reach that goal of relationship because the message is we each are absolutely loved. So even if sometimes what someone says sounds bizarre or as I was speaking, you didn't have a clue what I was saying, keep listening with a caring heart, understanding comes. 
and I'm going to distress myself. <laughs> Thank you, Amy. Ephesians 6.12 teaches, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Our true enemies are not people, but Satan and his demons. They're, these are two totally opposed kingdoms at war, and we are the prize. Ephesians names this a spiritual war, and we have no choice about participating. Let us accept this fact and become educated how to win instead of living in defeat. He that is within us is greater than he that is in the world, and we will always win when we do things his way. We will always lose when we do things our own way. I wanted to open with that because a couple of weeks ago I was speaking with somebody who we had used that example that we are the prize. And when we look at a couple verses in the Bible, and there's only a couple, when you run the race to win the prize, it's as though you're running the race with several people and only one person is a winner. And that has conflicted with me since I, the first time I ever read it is, if we're in God's kingdom, why is there only one winner? And we've misapplied that verse because there's not only one winner in God's kingdom. What we have to recognize is we're all winners. We're all running a race. And if we wanted to compare ourselves to running against something else, it would be running against all the little demons that are attacking us on the way to, to win. But the important thing to me was not whether we won a prize the thing that really spoke to me is, I am the prize. God ran the race through his son, Jesus Christ, for me and for each one of you in this room this morning. This morning, I felt like I wanted to encourage you that we're standing on holy ground. This morning, we're standing on holy ground. God wants to speak to us his tremendous love for us that we are the prize, that there's nothing we can do not to be the prize, but if we don't cooperate with him, if we don't let our free will accept what he has to give for us, we're the losers. He still looks at us as the prize. If we're running a race in the natural, we get a trophy. But what do we do with the trophy? Put it up on the shelf. But if we're running the race or if Christ is running the race and we're the prize and he wins, what do we have then? We have a lifelong, the rest of our life relationship with the Lord. And that's what's really important to me to get across this morning is that each one of you in this audience have different fights that you're fighting. And I'm going to go through several of them here in a little bit. But I want you to know that it's a lasting lifestyle change that you get to experience. It's a relationship that you get to have. It's not a trophy that's put on the shelf. And you are not a trophy that gets put on God's shelf to collect dust. He's looking for relationship with you, and he's looking through all of your faults. Um, 
Can you see yourself as the prize? Do you now? I would bet that each one of you can find faults in your own life and you think, I just don't cut it. I'm just not good enough. I've got a problem and I'm really not convinced that the Lord accepts me fully. And that's a lie of Satan and you shouldn't believe it. God put a treasure in every one of you and it's that lifelong relationship. I said earlier that um, I wanted to encourage rebellion. Yes, I do want to encourage rebellion. I want to encourage rebellion against the status quo. And if you've fallen into that status quo that you're just not acceptable because some area of your life hasn't been fully committed to the Lord, then change the status quo. As George MacDonald said, think differently. And he even spells it differently so that you'll think differently and recognize something's not quite right there. Um, we are the cherished prize and we're not to collect dust on a shelf. Um, I'm going to go now as though we're walking with Jesus through some of his earthly days. And I'm, and I'm just going to take some excerpts and share them a little bit with you. Many of us became prisoners of war when something went wrong in our life. We may have succumbed to it. We may simply were not strong enough and didn't have the necessary help to get us uh, from the attack that Satan put upon us. And we became a prisoner of war. We've got something wrong in our life and it's affecting us and we can't seem to break loose of it. Folks, that's what we're here as a community for, to help each other break loose of that. Um, look at this, if Jesus were walking, he goes to a prisoner of war camp and he looks at the prisoners' faces and bodies and that caught our attention. Their faces were horribly contorted and twisted. Their eyes were a terrible rage and fury that they should even be prisoners. In their self-righteousness, they didn't think they could be attacked by Satan and he could get a grasp on a piece of their life, but he did. Well, the fact that they're in a rage because they shouldn't even be there, well, they are there. We are there. Some of us are there because we failed in areas of our life and, and Satan got a, a little bit of a grip. But he doesn't have control, folks. We don't have to let him continue there. Um, some of the signs on the backs of these prisoners, what got them there? Bitterness, wrath, unforgiveness, seditions, clamorings, slander, rejection, doubt. Is there anybody in this room hasn't experienced at least one of those? Here might be said that some in this army field hospital some of you might relate to these types of wounds and scars. They have stood with great courage and even when they themselves were exhausted and suffering, fighting on the front lines. Through their great valor and fortitude, they have reclaimed many of the high places of the enemy. These are the missionaries and the pastors and, and the evangelists that are out there on the field working in our behalf. But often there was a tremendous cost to them and their families. Because of their great courage and fortitude as forerunners, 
Some of them have attracted the enemy's wrath, and a violent assault has been launched against their bodies, their minds, and their souls. They have stood and endured for many months and years, yet the enemy has pounded and pounded and pounded some more. It's so important that we have intercessors helping the leaders in our spiritual world. But they will heal and they will have restoration. God will restore their joy. He'll restore their hope. He'll restore a ministry that might have fallen. We've seen that even with some of our most famous ministries in this country. He'll restore the person's family. He'll restore backslidden children. He'll restore their mind, their body, their finances. Almost all of us can relate to some of that stuff where we've seen either personal family or brothers and sisters who have backslidden and fallen away. Here's a missionary that spent his whole life tilling the soil in a foreign country. Years of tilling, but he only tilled. Young missionaries came and when the young missionaries arrived, they got to start reaping the harvest. And the old missionary wasn't acknowledged, wasn't recognized for what he had done. And he, he took despair. He, he kind of just gave up like all I did and nobody even, nobody even cares. A simple case when nobody cares became his idol, became his God in that case. If you've experienced the same kind of thing, get your eyes back on where they should be. And whether somebody else in this world cares or not, you have to recognize and seek what the Lord cares about. So don't be afraid to, um, don't be afraid to say, sorry, I don't care what you think right now. Let me do a little more research and get back on track with the Lord. My church gave up on him and visited. No one visited him, no one cared for him. They left him in his torment, not even recognizing what was happening. If my children had kept praying for them, again, our intercessors are so important. If they had a love for him that believes the best, that endures all things, that never fails, he would not be in the hospital today. In the evil that overwhelms the earth today, it is imperative that my people bring the captives, captives to me in prayer. For it is their prayers that enable the visitation of my presence and my power to invade their captivated lives. Sometimes it's a fairly simple thing, but they still need help getting it done. I saw some of them and the reason they got there, vengeance, fear, unforgiveness, hatred, dissensions, depressions. How about self-pity? None of us are very experienced any self-pity, I imagine. So maybe I speak to the wrong people here, huh? It's important to understand that Jesus, did, didn't, Jesus didn't come for the lovely, you might say. He came to save those who are lost. He came to bind up the brokenhearted. He came those who are bound in their sin and they can't seem to get free. He came for those lost in their pride and their delusion. I came for the unlovely, and all of these he died for on the cross. What a tremendous price he paid. And all of those were faulty people. 
but they're his prize. And that's what we need to see ourselves this morning. We're faulty people, but we're not prizeless. We're his prize. Following are some comments that were made while Jesus visited some of the wounded while on the front lines as evangelists or missionaries. These are things that are said about people that have faults, and it wouldn't have to be the front lines people or the missionaries. It's just us normal people that go through life and our job, and we don't do everything perfect every day. Tut, tut, to think the Lord would actually visit that place. My house on a bad day? There are only, they are only there because they didn't have enough faith. If they had experienced or exercised any faith at all, they would never have been wounded in the first place. And probably unforgiveness that they're carrying. How about bitterness? How about pride? Pride becomes before the fall. There are no wounds without a landing place. Their walk with the Lord must have been deeply flawed. Look at us. We have no wounds. It's obviously not talking about this congregation, is it? We have no wounds? Sure we do. We're all wounded. But are we all willing to change our state of mind and recognize ourselves as the prize that Jesus died on the cross for? If we had viewed the persecution and suffering and the assaults of Jesus' own disciples after his resurrection, we may have judged them too as having too little faith or misdirected faith. I think all but one of them was a martyr. Um, so we, we actually have it pretty good, I think, because most of us haven't even known anybody that suffered that. These people are believing Satan's distortion of Scripture about rejection way accurately, the Scriptures. There are those who turn their backs on me simply because their pain has become so overwhelming that the rejections and abandonment, abandonments of others and their own heartbreak push them away from me instead of towards me. Many of these ones who on the outside look so hard to my gospel in their backsliding are the very ones who yearn desperately to return to my love, but they feel that if they did, I would reject them. What a lie Satan has perpetrated and successfully in so many of our people. These ones whose hearts and motivations, God would, God would say this, these ones whose hearts and motivations I know well, I will never cast out. He knows our heart. He knows our, mod, our, our motivations. And if, us, if our heart is towards him and we're, we're flailing, for one, I think we need to learn that first off, second off, third off, we are his prize. We're not to be put on a shelf to collect dust. Here's a case, a case of a depressed girl that was not living up to her calling or potential. She'd become a bit of a, a drug addict and was caught smoking one day, and the guy walked up and unclenched her fingers and removed the cigarettes from her grasp. He saw something that I see in many of you. 
He saw that girl's heart of generosity and kindness. She had served with the street people, the homeless, was always collecting for them, always taking care of them the best that she could. But she smoked. And she was condemned in our church for smoking. Behind her back, she was criticized and ostracized because she just couldn't get over the smoking. But rather than interceding for her, she was criticized and ostracized. Folks, many times it's our own veil of shame that we put on other people because they also failed like us. And we want to exalt ourselves because we can't face our own failure. We can't face our own shame over something that we're doing wrong. God doesn't condemn us. He encourages us. And he puts people around us to encourage us also. We could remember him at Gethsemane when drops of blood said, you're my prize. I'm here because you're my prize. I came to set captives free, he told us. I never judge or condemn who, who walk in the paths Never judge or condemn those who walk in paths they have never walked. But we do that. It's kind of a regular thing with us. I came not for those who will, but those who need a physician. I came to bind the brokenhearted. I think that's about where I'd like to end. But I'd like to end with a song reminding you that you're his prize. You're his treasure. He wants you to hear this. You are his prize. Begin to think differently about yourself. Now, while we're closing in this song, if I could be so bold as to ask you to get with each other and just pray for each other, because I think if I talk to you personally, I could not find a person in this room who doesn't have something that they would like to be prayed out of their life. So if you'd stand and get with somebody else and pray with somebody else this morning, and we'll close with the song, He Knows My Name. Thank you. <laughs>